We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. We are back with another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz. I'm joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. Continuing our signing day coverage as uh, K-State has signed best class under Chris Kleiman, best class in a very long time uh, today on the heels of a Big 12 championship, which uh, is very exciting. And we're going to put D-Wise knowledge uh, to the test a little bit here, ask him some questions that, that he has not seen yet about this class, and then go through some of his old uh, predictions, some some superlatives. If you're a KSO fan and you've read the signing day superlatives, we'll do, uh, we'll do a bit of an audio version of that coming up here on the pod. Of course, we got to thank Holiday Distillery. Make sure that you stock up on your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. And uh, also make sure that you check out uh, Charlie Hustle. Uh, they've got some some great K-State merch. Check them out at charliehustle.com. Uh, new line that they dropped earlier this fall. So uh, great people that are supporting us. Make sure that you support them as well. 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottle and Bond Bourbon, Charlie Hustle. Winning combination here on the uh, Three Ma Pod. All right, D.Y., uh, Avery Johnson is the the headliner of this class. I feel like we talked plenty about Avery Johnson. If you if you were going to say who the best offensive player in this class that is not Avery Johnson, best offensive player not named Avery Johnson, who who would you take here? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'm kind of going through these because the for the for those not listening, that I didn't look at these questions beforehand. So it's me answering this a little bit on the spot. You know, let, let's be honest. Derek, I sent the email just to Cole last night, but I was like, you know, I mean, I could just use this. I could just, it was saying like suggested Derek Young. I was like, I could just throw him on here anyway. He's not going to look at the questions. So, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and thank you, D.Y. I came up with that question for you. So I appreciate you saying it's a really good question. Yeah, these are Cole's questions. These, these This part is Cole. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's impressive. Uh to be honest, I like Kandon Beebe more than most people, I think, because he's actually a better prospect than his brother was at the same stage. And obviously, Cooper Beebe's an All-American, so who, who am I, right? So Kandon Beebe comes to mind. Joe Jackson comes to mind. I think he's a really good running back. Uh, and I like both tight ends. I would probably 
Um, bouncing around a little bit here, I would go with both of those tight ends, I think, Andrew Metzger and Will Ancio. Um, I, I think that's that's what I would pick. I mean, I don't do this for a living like you do, but just in watching some of the short highlights, like Metzger, I was like, holy crap, man, this dude looks like a yeah. bomb. Like, they're throwing, like, little bubble screens to him. He's making catches, like, behind his body. I mean, like, and he looks so, huge. He looks like a beast. I, I am excited about that kid. Yeah, there's reason for excitement. I'm not saying this is what this guy's going to be because I think people make fun of us when we throw out comparisons. But just style, when you see him playing, what he's doing on a, on a high school field, it's like what I would have imagined Travis Kelsey looking when he was in high school, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. that kind of like similarity. Yeah, when you told us about him as a possibility about two weeks ago, D.Y., I went and checked Metzger's film out. And I, first of all, I looked at his ranking. I'm like, well, that's – He's not highly rated at all. And then I watch his film and I'm like, oh my God, this guy is special. Like, how does he not have more offers than I know Nebraska got in on him and got him in on an official visit and uh, K-State was able to actually close it out and beat out the Huskers and Colorado re-offering him as well. But yeah, that that guy, he, he looks put together. I, I'm not saying he's going to play as a true freshman, but he looks like somebody that could play as a true freshman. He is physically built and some of those catches – that he makes and, and just his speed. Uh, I, he's one of my favorite commits and I don't know how he's ranked so low. He needs to get a boost. And, and he took a late visit to Iowa state as well. And that one actually went um, by me without acknowledging or knowing that recognizing it to be quite honest. So you just got to think about it that way too. If you're Kansas state, Kansas state fans like bragging rights, I'm sure both of you kind of fall into that umbrella, but Kansas state, beat Iowa State, you know, head-to-head -head for both of those tight ends, which, you know, you get the bragging rights, but also a recognition there that the Cyclones know what they're doing at tight end, too. I was going to say, I mean, I, I like your jokes aside, which, you know, I mean, four wins, have fun with that. Um, but jokes aside, they, I mean, Charlie Kolar, like, and and who was the other kid? They had both of those Chase tight Allen. ends running around. What's that? Chase Allen, I think, yep. Yeah, Chase Allen. Charlie Kolar, Chase Allen. I mean, they had two really good tight ends there with that whole group of Brock Purdy and Brees Hall, uh, et cetera. Are you, are you writing something down, Cole? What is? Well, I just need to – I need to adjust one of my notes I had, actually, uh, on charts. I need to add one of another K-State recruiting win over Iowa State. So that gives K-State 10 commits in this class that had an Iowa State offer that chose not to go to Iowa State and chose K-State. So K-State – uh, beat Iowa State out on 10 kids. They also beat KU out on 10 kids that had KU offers. They beat out Nebraska on seven kids that had Cornhusker offers, which how unusual is that? I mean, they they don't they beat out Nebraska on a lot of these kids. Uh, and then they beat out Iowa on five kids. Uh, th those are programs that have notoriously been a thorn, not KU, but, but Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, they've been a thorn in K-State's side on the recruiting trail. And so I just needed to update that and add Metzger to my list of Iowa State offers. So thank you for that, D.Y. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, I, Cole, do you want to you want to drop all the numbers here? Or are we waiting? Uh, to it, well, I, I mean, it's up to you guys. Do you want to go through the questions for D.Y. and then uh, we can get okay. to that? We can, or we can wrap it up with that. But that's a nice little tease of what Cole yeah, had. We're, we're, we're going to have some. Yeah, we're going to have some historical context. I pulled together some just beautifully graphically designed tables and charts for you guys to look at that you'll see on background if you're watching on YouTube. I'm joking. They're just boring tables, but it'll help visualize, uh, you know, how significant of a class this is. And we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Well, when, this uh, is another, another – no, go ahead. 
I said when, when Cole started to do uh, the, the note taking there after I mentioned something, it reminded me of the Mark Cuban Shark Tank GIF where he's like, oh, and he starts, you know, writing down writing notes. So that that's what came to mind there. Well, this is another Cole question. Your your favorite, uh, we don't have a qualifier on this one, but your your favorite defensive signee. Favorite defensive signee, no qualifiers. I mean, it's probably Asa Newsom. I think he would be number one. Um, and that's me without even looking at the the, the roster, so to speak, of, of commits on that side of the ball. But I really like Ryan Davis. I, I've blown up about him, too, in the last few hours just of, after watching his senior tape, which is one of the more impressive senior tapes, I think, in this entire class. So if you haven't seen that, I would go look at it, what Ryan Davis can do off the edge in terms of rushing the passer. I've seen him drop in coverage, too. There, there's some similarities between him and Khalid Duke, to be quite honest. So I really like him. But, I, I mean, Asa Newsom was a stud the first time I saw him, which was over two years ago, which is wild. That's how long that they've recruited him. They offered him at a camp in June in Manhattan, and they were blown away, offered him on a spot. They had to recruit him from start to finish. It was a marathon. It was like the first day of his recruitment, Kansas State was there, and the last day of recruitment, they're, they're still there, right, because he, he didn't commit to the Wildcats or make a decision at all until the night before signing day. But you're not going to find a better high school linebacker in the country that Kansas State signed in a, quite a while. I mean, I, I think I might leapfrog him over Daniel Green in terms of high school linebackers that they have signed. I really like Toby, though, from last year. Toby Usman-Sami from Wichita, uh, who probably has a higher peak or higher upside, but maybe a lower floor. So just in general, I think I would take Asa Newsom over any linebacker that Kansas State has signed since I covered the team. Ryan Davis is one that I'm having to brush up on. Like, I just went and – Looked it up here. I just I don't remember a ton from that recruitment. It looked like Washington State, Oregon State offers, and and from Phoenix, but I, I just don't remember a ton from that recruitment. Yeah, I mean it was a kind of a quieter commitment because he was in that long run of guys that they just kept reeling off one after another in June and July, which that's you know also intertwined with what the Dylan Edwards hysteria, the Avery Johnson hysteria. So it can get caught a little bit just because of the timing. But even um, I know you mentioned a few of his offers. But he was, I mean, Arizona State and UCLA tried to flip him late. Yet another case mm. of that. I mean, we saw that over and over again. Uh, guys guys trying to be flipped late. I know we discussed, I, are, are, we, are we comfortable discussing some of the, the higher profile kids and who was after them there coming down the home stretch? Oh, yeah, we, we certainly can. I mean, I, I'm trying to re remember some of these off the top of my head a little bit. I mean, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Florida State came after Avery Johnson for sure. Um, I think Georgia took a peek at him even. Joe Jackson was Penn State, Pittsburgh in, in Tennessee. For Jordan Allen, it was Oklahoma in Tennessee. For Nigel Thomas, it was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State because I think the two in-state schools realized, oh, crap, what were we doing You know, over the summer when Kansas State went on him? Um, in the beginning of that, uh, trying to, you know, there's more other ones. I think TCU, Baylor, and Arkansas gave Cameron Salas, you know, some pokes late as well. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be to be missing a few. I mean, Donovan McIntosh, Missouri, took a late run at him, I believe. Florida, South Carolina, and Georgia Tech were in on Devin Voss. Um, you know, they, they won out for Asa Newsome late, of course. For Nebraska, it was Andrew Metzger. Um, for Wesley Watson, I believe like a Texas Tech might have came in late, and Oklahoma State was still trying it near the end. Alabama, they, they certainly, I think they sent an NLI, a national letter of intent to Will Lee. That's how interested in how much they wanted him. Wow. Woof. 
Saban, take I, that. There's there's L number one for Saban. We got we got number two coming, but there's uh, there's L number one for Saban. It, it, Dy sent sent the text to us like ten days ago of all the schools chasing some of these guys for K State and trying to flip them at the last minute. I nearly had an anxiety attack. I don't know how. The I mean it, it's it's got to be stressful for those K State coaches going into signing day uh, with with all of those guys being chased. I, I think you also mentioned uh, TCU was making a run at Watson to Dy. Maybe I uh, might be misremembering. Yeah, some of these are running into each other a little bit, but TCU definitely came after somebody. So if I mentioned Watson, that's that's probably who it was. Unless they were yeah. in on they were in on King Dallas too, though. Yeah, I was trying to go back to your text, but we text so much that it's uh it's varied farther than I I thought. Oh, I I just found it, but uh, I think you literally hit on on all of them. So yeah, yep, that's a huge deal, man. Uh, uh, getting back to the. Uh, the questions, who would you say has the highest floor in this class? Highest floor. So like a sure thing we're talking about here. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, which is one of the things. Yeah, I actually wrote these out already, the, the sure thing one as well. Um, I went Ace Anusa again for this one, actually. So I just think his, I think his floor is really high. I, his bust potential is almost zero, in my opinion. So that's why I gave him the sure thing. But other guys that I mentioned for this, I said other contenders, Camden Beebe. I mean, with that family, that that lineage, those guys always contribute. I think he has to be mentioned for that. He, I mean, the, he's going to do things the right way. And those guys that do things the right way typically turn out. And I think Joe Jackson, because I know there's been running backs that have transferred from Kansas State, but just about every single one's contributing in some shape or form so not taking a running back when it's kansas state and seeing a lot of the numbers that these guys are, are producing even before they were to transfer like a joe Irvin, so to speak uh, i think uh it's worth mentioning a running back so joe jackson comes to mind and uh i know he's not announcing until later today but trace bivy actually had already recorded this um in signing it was yesterday at this point but yeah trace bivy i think that's another one because just kind of like the bb the family the lineage um knowing how to handle your business once you get to college i imagine you should be able to expect that the same too from a, a son of a professional, you know, sports athlete. Because uh, Trey Spivey's dad obviously is Junior Spivey. A, a couple things on that, Dy. So you have a former Major League Baseball player in Junior Spivey, who I played with on MLB The Show for years with the Tampa Bay Rays when we played that video game. You know, so he's a former professional athlete, dad of of Trey. You've got Sterling Lockett on the K-State team, son of Kevin Lockett, obviously the great lineage, Tyler Lockett, et cetera, that have plenty of NFL professional experience. Uh, and then you also have Andre Davis, who's the son of Willie Davis, former Chiefs receiver for several years. I mean, it, it's it's pretty impressive. And I, I think that helps, you know, when you have guys that have fathers or family members that have been through it uh, on a professional level because the maturity is there. They know what it takes to, to get where it is. And, and on Asa Newsom. The reason I think he has the the highest floor, I completely agree with you, is not only he's extremely talented, but he seems like one of the more mature recruits you'll ever find. Like he was so mature way he went through this process, the recruiting process, so thorough. And when you hear him talk, he sounds like a guy that's, you know, much older than he is. He doesn't sound like an 18 year old in high school. Absolutely. I agree with all that. And and uh, I think the coaching staff also values that the professional you know lineage or guys that have been around programs that have certainly you know been about their business because that's kind of the culture that they wanted to foster anyway so when they hear about someone 
you know, being a legacy of that or connected to that, I think Kansas State sees that as a plus and it probably elevates them in their eyes in terms of just evaluation. Yeah. Well, who has the highest ceiling? Uh, I, I assume Avery is going to probably be number one. So maybe you want to give us the top two. I don't want to speak for you, but maybe the top two guys that have the highest ceilings in this class. Yeah, it's a little bit different, too, because I think a college ceiling and an NFL ceiling can be different, which is why I d delineate between the two when I do a lot of the uh, superlatives for our site. NFL, you know, I actually think it's Will Lee, just because six foot three corners that can really run, and you just covered the number one Juco player in America, and Malik Benson that's going to Alabama, um, and you're already a Juco, right? You already have some college experience. So in terms of the NFL, I think it's Will Lee, but um, – behind Willie in that respect is probably Asa Newsome because of the combination of his talent and the way that he conducts himself, Avery Johnson, same thing. And Jordan Allen, because he has some otherworldly traits in terms of length, explosiveness, um, just ability to move, you know, the pass rushing is a premium in the NFL. So I think he falls under that umbrella too, but I picked Willie for that uh, particular, like an NFL ceiling, but for a college ceiling, I think it's Avery Johnson. Because, I mean, you don't want to set this standard because then he doesn't meet it and everyone thinks it's a flop. But, I mean, he has traits of a quarterback that, that's won a Heisman in college football before, right? Multiple times. He's got crazy speed. He can really, really run. Now he has to gain weight so he can endure an entire college football season without injury. Don't get me wrong. But once he's able to do that, he becomes one of the best dual threat quarterback prospects, you know, that we've seen in a long time. So I think college wise, the ceiling is definitely Avery Johnson, but you're still talking Asa Newsom in that regard. I think Andrew Metzger is going to be a heck of a college player. Will Ancio, like I said, both of those tight ends. And then just can Nigel Thomas at corner? Because when, when you're making a comparison, I think he's very, very similar to Jacob Parrish, who just played quite a bit of corner in year one for Kansas State. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All this is just awesome, man. I mean, I don't know. And you're talking about Avery. I mean, the thought of going from Will Howard and the way that he's playing right now, Big 12 Championship quarterback, to just handing the baton. If you can play it right, which I, I understand some of the dynamics of that might get tricky, but if you play that right, boy, I mean, K-State is in good hands for a long time at, at the quarterback position. Um, how about guys that you expect? Now, this is kind of almost back to the floor question because I would think you'd have to have a pretty high floor to be able to do this, but guys that will be most ready to play and could play more than four games uh, this upcoming season. Guys from this class that you would expect to, a.k.a. not be able to redshirt, get past that four redshirt. Yeah, redshirt. yeah and that's it's that impact, guys. I, You know, you're talking about the redshirt, so you, you, you immediately make me think freshman. But they have a couple junior college kids in this class, so Will Lee's definitely going to play right away. Rex Van Wyhe. Right. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not even sure. He's another guy. We, we had Taylor Brad on the podcast yesterday, probably a forgotten guy, too, just because of when he committed as well. But he's a junior college linebacker from Iowa Central Community College. It's going to play the same linebacker spot, I believe. And I bet he plays right away. And I really like his tape. Um, he's someone that is overlooked. Um, he was actually my pick for this particular category for the story on the site. So Rex Van why he makes a lot of sense. I mentioned Will Lee. Um, he just committed um, because we're recording this on Wednesday um, and they were a little bit nervous about it. But Terry Kirksey, a linebacker for Hutchinson Community College, um, they they felt like it was a slam dunk. And then Indiana made them a little bit nervous on Wednesday. So now everything's done in, the, in the, on that front except the signature. But he's probably a guy that's going to play right away, especially with Daniel Green leaving at linebacker. So there's a there's a vacancy in the middle. But high school wise, and I know that's probably what you were trying to hint at. I mean, Joe Jackson, just because. It's easier for running backs to play as freshmen, um, and and especially if Deuce Vaughn is gone, there's going to be a little bit of a vacuum there for playing time. I know DJ Giddens will still be there, but I think Joe Jackson will have a chance to see a little bit of playing time. I mentioned him, you know, just a little bit ago again, but it's Canigel Thomas because I I compare him to Jacob Parrish. You're going to lose both of your corners, I think, in Julius Prince and Echo Boydell. Jacob Parrish played a lot as a true freshman, so I think Canigel Thomas has the ability to do that. And then I keep saying him, uh, which everyone's like, man, he loves this guy. But Asa Newsom. Let me guess. Asa Newsom. Yeah, Asa Newsom. I mean, you could put him. Asa Newsom and Avery Johnson, they're going to be in the you know in the conversation for a lot of these so-called awards just because they're that good of prospects. The Kansas State's not necessarily accustomed to landing. Like, uh, I mean, Asa Newsom's a four-star, uh, according to on three ranking. I know no, no other place has him as a four-star, I don't think which I think is a little crazy, but um, obviously that's a big deal. Avery Johnson's basically a top 100 player every year. Yeah, I mean, Asa, Asa Newsome on three in their own rankings have, has him as a uh, – well, you know, you used to think of the rivals 250. They have him as the 206th ranked player nationally. Uh, now, my criticism of on three, D.Y., is Avery. They still have at 160th nationally, and yeah. if they would actually get on the ball and bump him up to where he should be, Avery could be a near five-star. Uh, like, you know, he's, I think in the consensus, like what, 76th right now, which takes in all of the different sites rankings. But I mean, if, if on three were to get him where he should be, he'd probably be a top 50 player in the consensus rankings. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I love Asa Newsom too. You watch his film. He's long, he's six, four. 
uh, and the way he runs the, you know, both on offense and defense and his highlights, he's, he's a special player. Are you surprised? I mean, so linebacker has been a, a position of concern that they've had struggles recruiting over the last several years. They signed Jake Clifton last year and Toby both look like very promising players. And now they, they signed five linebackers in this class. Are you surprised that they, they are signing five linebackers in the same class? No, because you got to think, you also lost Gavin Hazelhorst in the beginning of the year that they probably didn't account for. Khalid Duke, I think, has a chance to move out of linebacker into the back to the defensive line. Um, so that's going to create a, a spot as well. Nick Allen's going to leave. Daniel Green's going to leave. Um, so, I mean, just from a con- contributor standpoint, if all that turns out to be the case, all you have left from an immediate standpoint is Desmond Purnell, who played just a little bit, Gavin Forche, who played just a little bit, and both of them are Sam linebackers more than anything, and then Austin Moore, who played a lot, probably more than they wanted him to. Um, well, they loved him as a starter. I mean, he had to play like a 98% of the snaps just because there wasn't a lot of depth on him in that particular spot because Jake Clifton wasn't ready. Uh, for the most part, to, to take on at least like a 30, 30 snap level count of game. So uh, I think Jake Clifton plays next year, and I think Austin, and we know Austin Moore will. And then you had a couple of guys that played sparingly with Purnell and Forche. So it, it wasn't exactly the deepest linebacker room in the world. So you're going to, you needed a, probably, you know, somebody older because Khalid Duke's leaving the sand spot. So that's where Rex Van he comes into play. Um, you know, you need a linebacker to replace Daniel Green. I think that's where Terry Kirksey is going to come into play. And then you always want to take two or three, you know, high schoolers with each class probably, I assume, with the linebackers, just because you don't know what the attrition is going to be as well. And I think that's why you have an Austin Romaine. That's why you have a Colin Dunn, and that's why you have an Ace Newsome. Cole, you want to get any more of these in? Because I, I just want to I want to ask the last one. I think that's your, your best question. Oh, the, the Keegan Johnson one with uh, receivers. Um, uh, well, I think we've talked about it real quick. DY, how many games – we've talked about it before on shows. How many games does Avery play in next season? How many games is Avery Johnson playing? Um, four. Yep. Okay. Like you think like situational packages or like garbage time? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I'm going to need you to elaborate here. I can't let you off the hook. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, you, I, I don't know yet. I'll, but maybe situational packages just because he's so freaking fast, right? But you don't want him to get hurt either because he's a little light yet. So it'll also depend on what his development looks like this offseason, how much weight he could probably put on, how much bulk. Um, but he's he's definitely playing four games. But as long as there's not some disaster or catastrophe that has happened to the season – I don't think they burn his red shirt when he's not the starter. So I think maximum of four games, assuming nothing crazy has happened. Um, I think maybe one or two games of garbage time and then, uh, you know, two others somewhere along the lines. Okay. That'll suffice. That'll suffice. Uh, Cole, Cole has a great question here. I mean, it's been forever since K-State has had a receiver hit 1,000 yards, right? It was. Has there been anybody since the 2014 year when it was Curry no. and, and Tyler Lockett, both of them? Um, okay, yeah, so that was the last time. The, the next closest, yeah, yeah, the closest has been Malik Knowles this year with, I think, 779, and Byron Pringle had over 700 one year. Okay, that Pringle was like the one I was going to wonder about. Like, maybe Pringle did yeah. it. I feel like yeah. he did it in uh, in Stillwater in one, one game alone <laughs> yeah. in 2017. But, um, okay. Including Keegan Johnson, so Iowa transfer. Uh, there was a huge get out of the portal for K State, where they beat out Notre Dame. 
Uh, does K-State have a receiver in this class that hits 1,000 yards in a season at, uh, at K-State? You said including Keegan Johnson? Including Keegan Johnson, yep. Just at any point, a thousand yard receiver in a season. Yeah, I think so. Just because, look, Malik Knowles got close to 800, right? I think he got really close to 800 with 779, I think is what you said. And that was, and this is not a slight at Adrian Martinez, but that was the first five with the first five or six games where they weren't really cooking through the air as much. I think he did have he did have the Iowa State game, of course, where they had the explosives, uh, two or three explosives and a 10-9 win. But just, man, if you have the Will Howard passing offense that we saw in the last half of the season for the full 12, I think Malik Knowles would have got 1,000 yards. I'm just laughing because you, you bring up the Iowa State Malik Knowles thing, and I just it always flashes through my head of John just dropping dead to my floor uh, in complete Boy. agony. <laughs> Boy, that was, well, in terms of like low moments of the season, I mean – Sitting in the peanut while uh, Kansas is kicking the crap out of Houston in case they loses to Tulane, that was definitely uh, that's got to be the lowest moment. But very a very close second, a very close second was laying in a heap on Cole's floor after Malik Knowles got the ball punched out at the one and recovered in the end zone. John John is shouting, "Go Malik, go Malik, go!" And then all of a sudden, no, and he covers his face and drops to the floor and doesn't speak for two minutes. Like at least. Anyway, yeah, I, I tell you what, the, a funny memory that I have looking back on the season. I know this is not the pod for that, but I'm going to squeeze it in in here anyway. Since you did, I was thinking about like every K State fan's reaction. I I forget which game it was, but it was when Jason Bean came in for for KU, and all of a sudden he just lit up the world. Was that the TCU game? I want to yeah. say, or he's just yeah. he catches fire yeah. in the second half, and then I, I just remember like a flood of Kansas State fans on on Twitter, or even maybe on our message board as well, just saying. Kansas is at a point where their backup can come in and just like rip the ball around everywhere and we don't have one that can do it. And then I think uh, now looking back on that, now Kansas State won a Big 12 championship with their backup quarterback. So there was a lot of twisted fate and irony with that. Yeah. I, I think you can find a pod in uh, late September, maybe DY, where John actually asked us, does Kansas State beat Kansas right now in football? And we were trying to get him to calm down. All right, that's not fair to John. On, I'm on, sorry. On that, okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna play the receipt game, I believe there was also a time where I said to main, multiple media members, Derek Young being one of them, outside of the veneer football complex after the Texas game, we feel like I mean I still kind of feel like they played the wrong quarterback. Like I feel like that game goes differently probably if they they play the other quarterback. And you know I was trying to be quiet because I didn't want to look. I love Adrian Martinez and I wasn't trying to go that, but your boy here was pretty strongly feeling like Texas game yeah. goes differently if they play Will Howard and that that was the clear right decision. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I shouldn't have done that because you could find uh texts for me that are bad receipts that look bad on me too. So, uh, in fact, Grant, Grant KSU, Grant Mortem on Twitter, uh, was texting some of them to me and you, John, uh, a while back. So I told him to delete those right away. Look, uh, there's, there's receipts, yeah. there's receipts all over the place for everybody. Uh, yeah. From- from this season yeah. it's, been, it's been a pretty wild one there there's some inverse there you know a lot of a lot of chirpy kansas fans early on in the season that have some receipts that uh, come to fruition here late okay we're gonna move on to some of this is gonna be a little bit of overlap but derek has done the uh class of 2022 or uh, 23 signing day superlatives on on kso but he's done this like every year where he does diamond in the rough class leader there are a bunch of different categories here and the great thing about this is that Derek is, uh, speaking of receipts, kind enough to keep the receipts on what he has predicted every single year for all of these. So we're going to go through, ask him who he who he is going to pick uh, for each one of these categories for this class. But then I'll also read you 
some of the old ones because uh, there are there are some there are some there's some misses there's some hits there's some hits but there are definitely some misses Derek and I went through these last night so first is uh, Diamond in the Rough Diamond in the Rough who are you gonna say is the uh, Diamond in the Rough this year which is which is tougher because so many of these guys were were really well thought of and, and chased after usually it's a it's a whole class of kind of diamonds in the rough it's a little bit different this time around yeah that's true um and it's a guy that i've mentioned that just i didn't really i was kind of like you i didn't know a lot about him to be quite honest it was ryan davis that defensive end from arizona and i flip on the tape i'm like geez i mean how, how's he not having a more impressive offer sheet then come to find out arizona state and ucla tried to flip him so i there wasn't really a lot of guys in the rough, so to speak, in this class. I think Chidi Obiezer would have would have qualified for it. Asher Tomaszewski, the defensive tackle out of Chicago. Uh, Jack Fabris, the son of John Fabris, who's probably you know, your nuts and bolts guy on special teams that this program tends to love and flock themselves to. I bet he actually has a much better career than anyone um, envisioned. So I think he, he would be a contender for it. But I think Ryan Davis, he's just kind of flown under the radar and I mean, I'm telling you, that senior tape is one of the more impressive ones in this class. Here's who you have in the past. Uh, last year, it was Garrett Oakley, uh, tight end out of Nebraska. And 2021, we got Ozzie Hoffler, 2020, Demarcus Hayes, uh, 2019, Khalid mm-hmm. Duke. There's a nice hit. Uh, 2018, Jalen Pickle. That's pretty solid. So, you know, I'd, I'd say that's that's overall. And I, I think give you Garrett- a and I think Garrett Oakley is going to work out too. So I think that'll okay. Work. Yeah. I'll give you a passing grade on that. Cole, passing grade. Sorry, I was distracted. What were you talking about? All right. Never mind. We're on. <laughs> uh, to- uh, John, I, I was distracted. John Randall just committed to Utah. So I was. Uh, yeah, I'll still be surprised if he enrolls. But I was going to say, is I just it, wanted we, to get John that update. Do we know so, what the, the qualifying situation is there? It's still, still dicey. I take it from PYZ. I mean, they're probably. It's 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 fifty fifty at best. They're probably going to take a whirl at it, but I just I would be surprised. Okay, um, class leader is your next category. Class leader, uh, Dy. Who do you have as the class leader for twenty twenty three? Avery. I mean, I think that's self explanatory. Yeah. Uh, last year you picked uh, Colby McAllister. Then uh, years before, but with the honorable mention of, of Sterling Lockett, which uh, I think is a, a smart pick, also. Uh, then before that, you had Jake Rubley, uh, Nate Matlack, Logan Wilson, Lance Robinson. <laughs> Some of those guys obviously flamed out and didn't do a whole lot of Kansas State, but class leader. I mean, that means they were like the ones, you know, trying to get other people in the class. So that 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 can't be inaccurate. Whether or not they had a good career is pretty inconsequential. That's uh, right. I forgot how that was defined. I was just laughing because of uh... – like Logan no, Wilson like, lasted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's future captain that'll. That yeah. No. Probably. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I'm not uh, look uh, talking about 18 year olds coming in. It's impossible to predict how they're going to be, but I was laughing because Logan Wilson lasted what, like two games. So uh, yeah. When, like, and Lance I, Robinson got us with Tulane this year, you know, starting a cornerback. So. <laughs> Well, Lance Robinson was though. I remember him being very vocal. Nate Matlack was the Matlack was the guy like when they were badly needing a commit for a really long time. He was the first guy to step forward. Yeah, in that 2020 class. So I I definitely, I mean, I see the logic there for sure. Um, Best NFL chances. I think we we already went over this, right? 
Uh, I said Willie. Yeah. I mean, that that kind of length of measurables, I think that's, you know, Avery Johnson's going to be there in the discussion, of course, and probably Jordan Allen, Asa Newsome, but I think Will Lee is the best answer for that. Last year it was Toby, Toby Osinsami, which I, I think that's pretty obvious. Everybody's pretty enamored with with the measurables that he has. Uh, 2021, Andrew Lane Gang. Uh, 2020, Whit Mitchum. 2019, Khalid Duke. Uh, 2018, KT Leviston. All of them got a shot. The only bad one was Whit Mitchum. Whit Mitchum didn't work out, unfortunately. But, yeah, I'd say that was a pretty good category for you. Uh, yeah, that was. And I, I would have been with you on Mitchum, D.Y., and I think I was even texting when he signed and watched his film. You know, if he could have put on the weight, and he looked like a guy that could have been a stud tackle. So, And it, it shows with some of the programs that chased him late in that recruiting cycle, right? So just didn't work out. They don't all do. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Uh, special teams demon. Are you going to go with uh, with Fabris here for this one? I, I am because there's not an obvious kicker punt returner in this class, in my opinion. Not one that you would just say, oh, that he's going to obviously be a guy that's going to take kicks or punts back. Um, so, yeah, I think it's Jack Fabris. I think he's the best one. He plays Great. all Every phase of special teams, and he played every single play for his high school team, offense, defense, and every special team. That's definitely a K-State kind of guy. Um, yeah. Shout out to his dad for uh, for socking one to Feinbaum about Bill Snyder not too long ago, too. Um, you, your, your first line here of special teams demon from last year's story was, my track record for this one hasn't been great. Um, <laughs> your, pick last year, your, pick, your pick last year was Jordan Perry. Um before that, we had Gavin Hazelhorst, uh, Christian Moore, Marcus Hayes, which I believe we had dumb Marcus Hayes. This was, this was Marcus Hayes, the kid who transferred from, like, New Mexico, right? Yeah, um, and then he quit before the season started, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. And then uh, Jaquay Lane in 2018. Mm. For In defense, Marcus Hayes was a proven kick and punt returner for New Mexico, I believe. Yeah, no, he was. I remember being excited about that. We were like, all right, we found the returner. That's all set in stone. We got it. It's it's all good. Um, we've done this, but highest potential in college. Um, you said Avery uh, for that earlier. Yep. Last year it was Donovan Ryman. Um, then before that, Andrew Langang, Taylor Warner, uh, Will Jones. And my personal favorite submission to this entire list in 2018. Cole, do you want to take a guess who who DY had in 2018 as uh, highest potential in college at a premium position that slings the ball around the yard? Oh, so at quarterback, 2018, uh, uh, Jaron Lewis may, may have been known to uh, play a little bit of tight end oh. as well. Houston, Texas. Chris Heron. How how can Cole forget the Oklahoma State game when uh, John Holcomb 
was uh, oh. <laughs> at tight end. I can't. How dare well, you, you said start? you said Houston? I was like, think Chris Heron or, uh, but I was like, well, he didn't really throw it. So yeah, John Holcomb. All right, all right. <laughs> he was baby Cam Cam Newton. Um, okay, sure thing. Uh, that, are we going to say that that's different than than highest floor DY, or do you view that basically the same? Is this just another ASA category? Yeah, I view that pretty pretty much the same thing. I, I went with Asa Nusa, but I mean Joe Jackson, Keenan BB, Trace Bivey, Andre Davis, they could probably fill this up and do pretty well in it as well. But Asa was my pick. Last year it was uh John Pastor. We've got uh Devon Weathers, Will Swanson, Trevor Stang, and EJ Turner as the other picks there for uh, not, a, not a lot of sure things. Yeah, you know that, that category leaves a little something to be desired, but that's okay. That's okay. Hey, Will, um, Will Swanson Will Swanson's still coming. There we go. All right, Will Swanson. Shout out to Will Swanson. Uh, next up, we've got future captain. Future captain. I think I nailed it in last year's because if that goes wrong, I am just cursed because yeah. I'm pretty sure I picked Sterling Lockett. This one, I went with Joe Jackson. Yeah. I mean, that guy knew, knew he wanted to play Kansas State from the get-go. I mean, he's the one that's crying at a ceremony last week. I mean, he – for someone that's far away in Florida, he's already bleeding purple pretty well. I mean, you obviously Avery's a good choice here. Um, Asa Camden BB. I mean, his his brother's a freaking captain, of course. I like Joe Jackson for this. I was raising my hand because I wanted to guess ahead of B DY who he picked. I thought he was just going to pick Asa Newsom again. So uh, yeah, yeah. Him in. but there's there's a lot of good names there that you throw out that make a lot of sense. Yeah, and last year, like DY said, Sterling Sterling Lockett. I mean, it's hard to argue with that uh, as a guy as a future captain here. Before that, Braden Wood, Jay Harris, Jack Stenine, Lance Robinson. So yeah, bunch, that's, that's a bunch of not captains. It's a it's a category that needs a little work again, but that's okay. That's okay, you know. Um, best recruiting win. Oh, there's now this one. There was a bunch of them, and I'm probably going to shock you by what I went with. You could go with Metzger because they beat Nebraska out late and flipped the Colorado commit. Ace and Newsom because of the marathon that it was, and all the Power Five schools that were associated with him and connected to him. Avery Johnson, just because, I mean that that thing got the whole thing running. And once people knew that was starting to happen, everyone got going right. Uh, Jordan Allen because you hold off Oklahoma, Tennessee. Trace Bivey, because you beat the hometown team and you beat the school that his mom went to. I mean, that's pretty impressive in itself. And then Will Lee, because you're holding off Alabama at the end. But I didn't even go with any of those. I went with the weird one a little bit. Andre Davis, because they didn't have a chance for him at all. At all, when that board was higher. He was going elsewhere. He didn't care about Kansas State. He didn't want to go there. Didn't like the offense. Because that's when the light bulb came on, when the offensive players started to say, we like what Colin Klein is doing. That board reversed it, showed him the offense. And then soon after, then Colin Klein reverses the Avery Johnson recruitment, shows him the offense at a spring football practice. I really think Andre Davis, he's not the one that circled the, the wagon, so to speak. That was Avery. But he was the first one to recognize what Kansas State was going to do from an offensive standpoint. And Kansas State went from having no shot to killing the recruitment and sprinting out to a huge lead and winning it in like three weeks. That's all it took. And who who was the primary competition for him? That's been so long, I don't even remember. Like Mizzou was Mizzou yeah, in on that. Uh, I don't. I think I was. I, to be honest, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, he had he had offers from Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Minnesota, I think, and uh, KU, and and maybe one other Power Five. Okay. So. Okay, that's a great anecdote, man. I did not know any of that about uh, about Andre Davis. So love that. And that was one like I. Th- this is Andre Davis is also a guy that to me gives perspective on the class because I mean it's a great recruiting win. It's a high quality recruit that K State got, and it's somebody that at the time I remember being like, oh, this is awesome. Like. This guy may be the gem of the class. And now you look at it. I mean, it's nothing against Andre Davis at all. He's a very good player, but in the mix of a bunch of other very good players. So, um, yeah, shout out to him for, for helping get the ball rolling there. Uh, yeah, best- to be honest, and also to, to, to put your point into perspective, the other the other past champions, right, that I picked for this, it's probably, you know, guys that were pretty highly rated, but not, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Best recruiting when we got Jake Clifton last year. What was what was the battle for Clifton? Oklahoma tried to come late. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. I didn't want to be wrong on that, but I thought so. So, yeah, there you go. Brent Venables in Oklahoma yeah. gave him a strong, strong look in the final two weeks. Um, then we got Jake Rubley. That's obvious uh, in 2021. T. Denson, uh, Kenyon Reed, and Katori Leviston were the others there. Was Leviston Texas? He got a Texas offer. Now, I couldn't tell you if they would have taken him at the time, but he had a Texas offer. Okay. Uh, Kenyon Reed, still still playing at San Jose State. So, you know, starting corner, John. Uh, I'm sure you've been, been watching the whack. I don't is well, that really- uh, They're in the Mountain West. Mountain Thank West. you. Sorry. Gosh. How Does the whack even exist anymore? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Some form. Uh, you know, you, you gotta get gotta get those late night Mountain West bets in to recoup some of the losses on Saturday. So I've got to you know get on Mount San Jose State. Yeah, I think okay. in football, I think the whack is an FCS conference, right? That's what I was I was gonna say. I feel like in basketball it still is, but anyway, whatever. We're not getting off on a whack tangent. Uh, biggest <laughs> miss, biggest miss. This is this is a tougher category, man. There have not been as many as many big misses here. Yeah, but there was some significant ones, and two come to mind. Right, they were pretty notable. You got Joshua Manning, which is who I picked because yeah. you essentially had him, and then you tried to tell Drinkwitz no, and Drinkwitz, you know, did his thing, and then Dylan Edwards, you know, that was another one. I mean, he missed him still, right? He flipped to Notre Dame, then he flipped to Colorado. I mean, maybe at the end of the day, you're going to be count your blessings that. Kansas State didn't have him, or he'll be in the transfer portal in a Wildcat in a couple of years. Who knows, right? We'll never know. But uh, in terms of misses, those guys are, I mean, substantial prospects that are actually committed to the coaching staff at one point. Um, just imagine this recruiting class, if those two hadn't, like, reversed what they had done, and they'd be in this class too. And you're talking about, you know, it's already an historic group, but that's a different era if they would have pulled those two off and, and kept it under, yeah. on the books. Yeah. But that's, that's, I would also just point out like, that's the game, man. If you're going to be signing a top 40 class, which K State is as of right now, you're going to have some of that. You're going to have some big wins and you're going to have yep. some losses just to be in, in the game. And uh, that, that's how it goes. They've, they've won more than their fair share. Um, last year was Caden Crawford, which was a painful one to, to watch him go to Iowa. Matthew Langlois in 21, going to LSU. Yep. Uh, Jacob Gamble. This list gets pretty funny. After Jacob Gamble in 2019, Cole, you want to guess who the, the biggest miss in uh, 2019 was? This is the funniest part of the whole list. I, I can't even I can't even think of who they were chasing in 2019. That well, um, he plays the same position as Asa Newsom, albeit not quite as well. 
Uh, oh, Gavin Potter. That is correct. Yes, that is correct. It was. I mean, uh, they did lose some weight. So. Uh, best, best miss. That was the best miss you could have. Yes. And then, so. as if that wasn't funny enough, 2018. Cole, would you like to take a guess who the biggest miss was in 2018? Please give me a clue. Um, a position. Also a linebacker. It did play in the Big 12, or uh... I actually just literally gave you the answer because the answer was a linebacker. <laughs> oh, oh. Just, just the position of linebacker. They, they missed everybody. If you want evidence as to how far K-State recruiting has come in the last five years, 2018's biggest miss was a linebacker. They forgot to recruit. <laughs> they forgot to get the position. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, this year, the biggest miss was like two national recruits and Josh Manning and, and Dylan Edwards. So, yeah, we've come a long way. <laughs> Uh, we forgot to address this primary position of need. Yeah. yeah. Um, instant impact. Instant impact. I feel like we've got kind of already covered that. Um, yeah. yeah. Instant impact. I went with Rex Van Wyhe. Juco's are going to be the answer here. Yeah. yeah. Could, it's could, the, uh, could, 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 could Van Wyhe also be a guy that could put his hand in the ground a little bit on DN, DY with his length? I, I, yeah, but I don't. I don't know that they'll they'll need him to do that. They'll have Fine. Brendan Mott. They'll have Nate Matlack. They'll have Khalid Duke. Yeah, and Felix. Yeah, that makes sense. This has been a pretty good uh, category for Dy historically. He picked Kobe Kobe Savage last year, which obviously was a outstanding pick, um, and he had honorable mention listed as VJ Payne. So that was that was good stuff. Um, probably your best your best individual year there. I would say out of any of these, twenty twenty one RJ Garcia. Uh, 2020, Justin Gardner. 2019, James Gilbert. Uh, 2018, Lou Sala. So, for the most part, uh, really good category there. Uh, what Luke was the Sala. last one? Who did I have? The, oh, the Luke Sala. from that, Butler. Yeah, that, yeah, that which, was uh, not a good effect. <laughs> yeah, but I, I get where you were coming from. Uh, fan favorite. Fan favorite. What I mean, I, Avery seems like too obvious of a pick there, right? I mean, it's got to be. I actually didn't go favorite. Avery, but he was on one of my contenders. I went with Camden BB because you were not yeah. going to find, and I know that they'll probably muzzle him enough, but you will not find a cockier player than Camden BB. He is the complete opposite of his brother. Well, I do like that. I do like that. All right. Let's see what you got, Camden. Let's see what you got. Um, last year it was Sterling Lockett. Uh, very sensical pick there. Uh, Jake Rubley, T. Denson, Keenan Garber, uh, Shane Cherry for fan favorite. Shane Cherry, that's a real good one. Uh, never made it, did he? He gray shirted it. Make it and, yeah. Well, he gray shirted, but I don't think it ever materialized. He was yeah, there. I, I he was in role. Uh, okay. I don't even remember that one. He was, uh, he was a package deal with Cartez Crook Jones. Hey, you don't remember him, John? I think he was an offensive tackle from Grandview, Missouri, right? Do I? Yes. Yeah. Like I said, a, a, a package deal with Cartez Crook Jones. Okay. Um, finally, this is one I'm very interested to hear your answer for uh, for this year. First off the bus. Who's first off the bus of this 2023 class? Uh, Chidi Obiezer. Um, not sure if uh, I might be butchering that last name. I'm sorry if I am. But that guy, you're talking about like a dude that's like 6'5", 6'6", 250, I want to say 260. Like he's he's a monster. Um uh, we know, I know we had Taylor Brad on yesterday, but it's it's we don't know. They I don't know that they know where they're going to put him. He could grow into an offensive tackle. He could stay at the end. He could grow into a nose guard. I mean, 
Uh, it'll be interesting where his body goes, but he is probably the most physically imposing commit that they have. I, I also mentioned Devin Voss. He's kind of a long offensive tackle. Jordan Allen, he's built like a truck. Will Lee, um, that's what corners are supposed to look like. And I think I think what will turn out to potentially be John's favorite once he sees him on the field for a first time, just how he looks, how he runs, and his size might be Andre Davis. We already talked about him, the Blue Valley receiver because he's 6'4", 6'5", 205, 210. He's also what they are supposed to look like. Hey, shout out to the Blue Valley School District. You know, they only create champs out in the Blue Valley School District. So, um, first off the bus last year was VJ Payne. Um, that, that makes yep. sense with seeing how early he played. Uh, we have Crew Jackson in 21, uh, Derek Newton in 2020, Taylor Potier in 2019, and then Derek Newton again in 2018, who obviously uh, had a couple of stints there at K State. Certainly, uh, sad news. Rest in peace to, uh, to Derek Newton. But I mean, Taylor Potier being in there, I think that. That I mean, not that you can, and we discussed this last night, you can't really be wrong with the first off the bus thing. Like, I mean, it's just they look how they look, but he's obviously been a beast, unfortunately, just uh, dealt with the injury bug here. So that's it. That's what we got for the uh, superlatives. Make sure to check out the full article on uh, on KSO. Cole, I didn't mean to bury uh, all of your stats. We should have done this right off the bat. That's that's my yeah, bad. Yeah. That's me being a bad host. So uh, if you'd like to take us through and contextualize this uh, recruiting class, or how good it's been historically for K-State, please do so. Yeah, no, and, and you wanted to do it early on, John, so it was actually my call, and uh, we didn't show it earlier, but wanted to put into perspective how good this class is, and and Jordan, shout out to him as our producer. He's going to put it on display here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you're able to see right now just a, a simple chart that I pulled together. Uh, so what this encompasses is – the highest ranked recruits by their on three consensus grade. So the grade that is given to the recruit through the consensus, which encapsulates 24 seven sports rivals, ESPN and on three and combines their rankings into an average. And what we've got on display here is all of the top recruits, highest ranked recruits signed in the Chris Kleiman era, which is now five recruiting classes, 2019 through 2023, and highlighted in purple, if you're watching on YouTube, represents the 2023 signees. As you can see, there's 10 guys. You know, you got Avery Johnson, Terry Kirksey, Rex Van Wye, William Lee, Trace Spivey, Joe Jackson, Donovan McIntosh, Jordan Allen, Asa Newsom, and Andre Davis represent 10 of the top 14 recruits signed in the Chris Kleiman era, uh, and then four of the top five. The only ones that Chris Kleiman, the program, have signed that are in competition, Jake Rubley, which had a 90.9 consensus grade, uh, which was uh, four-star. Actually, Jake Rubley, we've talked about it before. His, his ranking was kind of out of whack because nobody had him that high. ESPN had him as the number 27 player in America overall, which inflated his ranking. Uh, Kamari Gainis, obviously that one's more of a miss uh you know he didn't really contribute much at k-state and then matthew polamau now at arizona state i believe transferred there and keenan garber who's still here credit shout out to keenan moved to cornerback in the big 12 championship game and gave k-state some valuable snaps so this just shows how significant this class is and in fact the top 10 graded recruits in this 2023 recruiting class are all ranked higher than the number one ranked recluse, number one ranked recruit in the 2022 class. Toby had a, a grade of 87.2, uh, 
on the on three consensus grade in last year's class. He was the top ranked recruit for K-State. Uh, out of these top 10, Andre Davis is number 10 in the 2023 class with a grade of 87.3. So I don't know what you guys think of that, but uh, it's pretty darn compelling in my mind. It's not, it's not surprising. I mean, based on just what we know about all the battles uh, and everything that's gone on here, like we had to talk about that in the past when there wasn't that much to go off of recruiting wise, the rankings were about the same. It was like, well, how many power five offers do they have from other people? Which, which creates a pretty big difference when you were, if you just looked at the stars from like Snyder's last couple of classes and Kleiman's first couple of classes, it didn't look like there was much difference, but they were getting better in terms of actually guys that had more legitimate P five offers. And now it's just yeah. like, in, into a different stratosphere well yeah and and you look at the way on three grades work is 80 through 89 grades are three stars but the higher the 80s the higher the three star you are and then 90 to 97 is a four star 98 to 99 is a five and as you saw on that list k-state had i think seven guys so avery obviously is a yeah, jordan pulled it up again thank you jordan uh, avery is obviously a four star he's almost a five star um, and then Kirksey, Rex Van Wye, William Lee, Trey Spivey, Joe Jackson, Donovan McIntosh, they're about the highest three stars you can get. They're borderline four-star recruits. So you have seven, eight guys in this class that are near four stars, and you could find other sites that evaluate them a little differently and do have some of them as four stars. Uh, so it's a, it's a very talented class uh, that K-State has brought in and obviously beat out a lot of Power 5 suitors, um, and we pulled together a list on that too, um, that we can show. Uh, so we actually talked about this. Thanks, Jordan. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this as well. Now, one thing I do want to preface here is you look at the total power five offers on this chart. And in 2023, K-State is going to sign what I believe will be 26 recruits. Um, and there could be another guy or two in January, but right now it looks like 26 recruits that will sign in the 23 class. Uh, the combined reported Power 5 offers. I went through 24-7 sports, rivals, and on three on the offers that were reported. The combined total Power 5 offers of all of K-State's commits came out to 117 Power 5s, uh, which came out to an average of four and a half Power 5 offers per recruit that K-State signed. All right, now one thing I do want to note here, that 117, that four and a half, it's probably much higher than what it actually shows because Will Lee, as DY said, got offered by Alabama and so many other schools after the JUCO national title, probably 20 plus programs that came in and offered him from the power five level that he's never reported. And I'm sure Avery Johnson and some of these other recruits never reported some of the other offers they got once they committed. Camden Beebe probably would have had more offers, but he committed so early to K-State. DY said before that I think schools probably didn't even put up a fight to go after him and get him. So it's actually probably a much larger number than actually I've got shown here, but it still blows everything else out of the water from the 2017 on through 2022 classes, which represents six recruiting classes. In 2022, the average power five offers per recruit was 1.6, 2021, 2.8, 2020 was two, 2019, 2.5, and then 2018, 1.4, 2017, 1.6. It averages out to the average Power 5 offers per recruit between 2017 and 2022 was 1.7 compared to 4.5 for 2023 recruiting class. And I know people will think, okay, Avery Johnson with all his offers is inflating these numbers a little bit. 
which is why I wanted to put in that last column recruits with three or more power five offers outside of Kansas state. The 2023 recruiting class has 17 kids with three or more power five offers. And again, it may be even more than that uh, due to underreported offers. 2022, there were four, 21, five, 2027, 2019, eight, and then in 18, five, and in 17, six. The average number of recruits with three or more power five offers between 2017 and 2022 was 5.8 compared to 2023 at 17. So it just it just shows how significant this class is and, and all the battles that they won. Obviously, DY knows all of this with all the great work that they've done at On3 at K-State Online, but I, I thought it'd be helpful to visualize it just to, to put it on paper of, of how impressive a class K-State's built. And if you are curious, the nationally K State's class right now, according to the uh, according to on three, is 39th. Uh, they're sixth in the Big Twelve, which like even just looking at that to me, I mean, I know that doesn't sound like a ton. K State just won the Big Twelve with classes that have been like eighth, ninth, tenth uh, in the Big Twelve. They have a class that's sixth, like that. Just as someone who's followed K State recruiting for a long time, where it was really boring and barren and not fun. I mean, that that to me seems to be a significant accomplishment. I'll, but I'll, and John, on that point though, if you take Texas and OU out because they're going to be out of the Big Twelve in a couple of years, if you look at you add Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and Houston, uh, K State actually sits at fourth out of the twelve in the new Big Twelve. Out of those twelve schools, they're ahead of UCF, BYU, Houston, and and Cincinnati. Uh, and then also ahead of Kansas, I think West Virginia is right around them right now. And it could fluctuate a little bit because there's some flips still happening. Austin Novosad, talented quarterback, flipped from Baylor today to Oregon after Oregon lost Dante Moore to UCLA. So the rankings could fluctuate. This also, the rankings don't currently, as we're recording this, include Trey Spivey, uh, who will boost K-State's rankings a little bit. Uh, and I don't know if they've got Kirksey added in yet either, who is the, uh, I, I think... I was gonna. I was going to mention that I just flipped Kirksey to committed. Um, so it definitely does not account for that just yet. He also signed, as we're recording this too. I know everyone knows this because it happened yesterday. But yeah, Kirksey's in the fold. Yeah, and see, and that's Kirksey is the number two ranked recruit in this class by the on three consensus grade. He's the number one junior college recruit in the class. And that's the other thing, Dy. There's there's three junior college recruits that are all top thirty. I think. Uh, and the on three consensus and Van Wye, William Lee and Kirksey. So K-State's really attacked the junior college market effectively. Any uh, closing thoughts, Derek, since uh, we, we just talked for a while there, any closing thoughts here on this class that you want to get out? Uh, by far the best one that I've covered. Um, it's not really a debate. So if people want to put this into historical sense. So they have every right to. This is a special group by Kansas State standards. Well said. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, it's been a fun signing day. You're getting to recap it with a couple of pods. Obviously, if you have not checked out the Taylor Bratt pod, uh, you definitely need to go listen to that. K-State's director of football recruiting uh, who joined us. And, uh, hey, continue following us here. Shout out to uh, Holiday Distillery, Charlie Hustle. Appreciate all of their support. Thank you to Jordan Foote uh, for doing great work producing this thing today. Much appreciate all of you guys who listen to us uh, week in and week out. We'll be back at it soon with more on 3MAW. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. 
covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.